0: feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something was actually strange. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream. You got a dream you got to protect it. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you, you can do it. Well, hello, Heritage. I want to welcome all of you at all of our locations to week number one of Living the Dream, where we're going to take some time to unpack whose dream we're actually living. But before we do that, I want to pause and recognize what God did last weekend at our Just One celebration. It was a moment where we gathered as one church in the iWireless Center, and God filled that space with His presence, and it was powerful. We saw more than 450 people declare their next bold moves, equaling more than 1,100 specific and intentional investments to more fully lived, loved, linked, and sent. 157 of those were choosing to follow Jesus for the first time or as a rededication. It was a powerful weekend and moment for us as a church family. And if you step forward in that moment and you declared your bold move, I want you to know we're praying for you. We're still in the process of following up with each of those bold moves. But if you're someone who didn't take the opportunity to do that, or you weren't there, I want to encourage you to consider doing it this weekend. You are still here in this life. You have breath in your lungs. Your heart is still beating. So God still has purpose for you. There is a next bold move for you. And most of us are just one bold move away from a breakthrough. So I want to encourage you, if you have, have not yet done it, to use this My Bold Move card, fill it out, drop it in the offering bucket, and declare your acknowledgement of what God is asking you to do, to do next as you join Him in the greater work that He is doing here in the Quad Cities. Because He is moving, He is at work, and the best is yet to come. And He wants you to be part of it. So I want to encourage you to consider declaring your next bold move, even this weekend. But as we step into our Live in the Dream series, I want to take some moments this weekend to kind of lay out the uh, the framework or to set the stage for the rest of our series. I actually want to talk about a concept that'll, that'll really be the foundation for what we talk about in the rest of the Live in the Dream series. And it's going to be a little bit of heavy lifting. It may feel a little bit utilitarian, but I want you to hang with me because it is setting the stage for the rest of our journey together through God's Word in this series as we go through in Living the Dream. So let's get to it. Let's jump right into it. And I just think that we can all acknowledge that there are things in this life that we can find joy in. It may be a person, maybe people, maybe a place, maybe a thing of some sort. And the reality is that God has created us to live and enjoy life to the full. And we know that life comes through Jesus. We know that because of Jesus' own words. We know in a scripture that we've repeatedly gone to as a church, John chapter 10, verse 10, that Jesus said this. He said, "'The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full.'" Jesus is the one who gives us that full life, and God's created us to enjoy that life to the full. But what does that actually mean, full life? When you think of living the dream, you hear that terminology. What do you picture, what do you think of? Is it a a dream job, a a dream vacation spot, a, a dream house? Maybe for some of you think of activities or experiences where you can accomplish lifelong goals or lifelong dreams. What do you think about when you hear the term live in the dream? In fact, let's just do this at all of our locations. I want you to turn to somebody and I want you to just tell them a lifelong dream. Maybe it's a dream spot for a vacation. Maybe it's a dream job, something you've always wanted to do, a lifelong aspiration. Just turn to somebody and tell them one of those realities in your life. Just go ahead and do that all of our locations right now. Alright. Man, we're a dreaming people. There's a lot of good dreams rolling around out there. I love it. Listen, I want to tell you one of my lifelong dreams. When I was a kid, I loved dolphins. I read about them. I studied them. I even at one point came up with a plan to show my parents how we could have one as a pet. Man, it was one of the driving factors for why I wanted to be a marine biologist as a child. And in, in that journey since then, I have had the opportunity to interact with dolphins in a couple of locations, usually in a commercial setting of like a SeaWorld Park or a dolphin experience, and those have been really cool. But a few years ago, I had the opportunity to experience something I never thought I would get to do. It was a lifelong dream that God allowed me to experience. And I want to share it with you because my son Joshua captured it on video, and and I just want to forewarn you, this thing takes place 70 feet underwater And so the only sound you hear would be the bubbles coming from the scuba gear. But I want to share with you the realization of a lifelong dream for me. Check this out. of moments. It was so cool for me to be with Joshua, to be down there, to to encounter a dolphin. Maybe one or two would have just been rare at all, but to to encounter a whole pod was incredible. And to me, that was a gift. It was a gift of like God just showing a little bit of blessing and care for me in that moment. And maybe you can think of a, a lifelong desire that you have actually seen realized or come to fruition, and you remember the emotions of that and the excitement of that. Those are really cool moments. And that moment when I got to be in that proximity to those dolphins for just that 30-second window, it was really cool. But it's just a moment. It's just a passing experience. And those things, as great as they are, were never intended to define us. Our, Our dreams, our desires, those experiences, they were never designed to just define who we are. Because what we do doesn't define who we are. God is the one who defines who we are. And He has created us for far more than we often realize. He has created us for His purposes. Yet in this life, we can think a full life is activities and experiences and achievements. It's the accomplishment of those lifelong dreams and goals. It's one of the reasons why the idea of a bucket list so so deeply resonates with us in our culture. It, It feels right to us. I mean, just think about it. The idea that there are a, we can make a list of things that if we do them will we'll make our life more complete, that sounds appealing. That, that sounds reasonable to us. And, and so we make the list, but it's really only half true because that desire and that drive is actually a reflection of the God-given nature to live life to the full. And who we are is not defined by what we do, It's defined by the God who made us. Now, I'm not diminishing the beauty and the joy and the value of experiences. God, in his original mandate to Adam and Eve, included joy of life and experiencing what he created. Yet none of those things were intended to define them. And they shouldn't define us. God has created us for more, and it's for his purpose and for his plan. In fact, your first fill-in for today, if you're following along with your Sermon Note Guide, is that experiences don't define, they inform. Experiences don't define, they inform. The, The experiences, whether they're good or bad in our life, they inform who we are, they don't define who we are. God is the one who defines us. He is the one who created us and therefore determines who we are, and He does that in a number of ways. Now, there's nothing wrong with establishing goals and dreams. Those things inspire us. They, they motivate us. But when, when they become the source of our identity, mm, well, now we run the risk of, of chasing or living the wrong dream. You see, we, based on who we are, that determines what we do. Who we are should determine what we do. This reflects what we talked about in our restart series. And if you missed that, you can go to heritageqc.com and under the media tab, see what you missed, get caught up. But who we are should determine what we do, not the other way around. And God has created us to be part of something bigger than ourselves. He's created us for far much more than we often realize. And Jesus even spent some time talking about how we as people can miss that kind of life. He actually talked about it in terms, or in the the, in the in the metaphor of a gate. He said this in Matthew seven. He said, "Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it." Listen, those are wise words, but they can also be hard words. Because Jesus is saying that there is a right way and a wrong way to pursue life to the full. To live the dream. And most people don't find the right way. They don't find the narrow way. Often that's just because we we listen to what the world says. The world says, look out for yourself, look out for number one. It's survival of the fittest, that the person with the most toys wins. Even that statement right there is, is living life by accumulation. And that was never God's plan or intention for us. That our experiences and our achievements and, and the things that we are able to uh, be seen in this life, they are not what should be defining us. They are part of the journey, but they're not the point. Yet far too many people spend their lives living the wrong dream. Only to find out at the end. And it can even happen to people who say they follow Jesus. Which is why Jesus is able to go on to say in just a few verses later, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, went to the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Whoa. We can call him Lord and still miss the boat? That seems crazy. It seems to fly in the face of Romans 10.9 that says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. But listen, what Jesus is saying here doesn't conflict with that. What, what Jesus is saying here, he's really talking to people or talking about people to, who, who say he is Lord, but really don't mean it. These aren't people who lost their salvation. Instead, they're the folks who never really had it. Where he says, I never knew you. Away from me, I never knew you. He's talking to those or about those who, whose spiritual life never really intersected their daily life. And he's emphasizing the reality of lordship and authority here. Because lordship requires more than a verbal profession. Lordship requires more than a verbal profession. It's more than just saying the right words. It's more than making a decision. And let me be really, really really clear here. When it comes to salvation... It, that salvation thing is completed in a profession. When we say, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me, I invite you to be my savior, and I want to I want you to be my Lord. That happens in a moment. But the Lordship part of it is typically not done in a moment. It is a journey, one of consecration, one of surrender, and one marked by obedience. That many people are missing. They're missing that crucial piece, and they can end up simply living saved. Not really walking with God and not part of His greater purposes. Elizabeth Elliot said it really well. She said this, until the will and the affections are brought under the authority of Christ, we have not begun to understand, let alone to accept His Lordship. She's totally right. It is God's prerogative to command, to direct, to send, to lead. It's our job, our business, to obey and follow. When we accept Jesus as Lord, we give him permission to interrupt our lives. We give him access to our lives at any point he wants it. And that's part of what it means for him to be Lord. Authority and access. Lordship is more than verbal profession. Look, you may uh, have noticed that there are just some things in life that as you do them, you don't know if you're doing them right until you get to the end. Just some things you just don't know until you get to the end, like, like cooking a meal, right? You never really know if that's going to work out to the very end. Or maybe even like tying a tie or raising kids, amen? Or worst, worst of all, trying to put on one of those screen protectors as you try to line it up over the holes in the right angles to make sure you're there. You never really know if you did it right till you get to the end. Listen, there are some things that are like that. I think we can look at our relationship with God and think, you know what? We're not going to know if we're doing this right till we get to the end. And he's going to tell us. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, or he's going to not. And that's true. But, but here's the thing. We have more than that. We have his Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And we have the Word of God, and particularly the teachings of Jesus. And Jesus taught a lot of stuff in His years of ministry here on earth. Radical teaching, challenging teaching. And we need to know what He taught so that we can follow it, so that we can obey it, so that we can actually live life to the full. If we're going to live life to the full, we have to choose to obey. Just think about obedience for a moment. Obedience is surrendering our will in favor of the will of another. And obedience reflects lordship. Obedience reflects who is in charge. Now, we may get that. We understand, okay, Jesus should be lord, and okay, he's in charge. But it gets a little fuzzy sometimes when we're trying to actually live that out. We're trying to do it on a daily basis. Well, I want to give three things that I think that position us, when we understand them, it positions us to get to the end of this journey and not hear away from me. And the three things are simply this, to understand our identity, His plan, and our purpose. To understand our identity, His plan, and our purpose. Let's uh, walk through that a little bit more and unpack it. When we're talking about our identity, we're really talking about answering the question of who. When we're talking about a plan, we're talking about the how or the why. And when we're talking about purpose, we're really talking about what. What? And so what we end up with here is kind of like three different levels or layers of what we're looking at. We talk about living life to the full, and it all starts with who? It starts with identity. And we know as a church that we are called to live loved, we're called to live linked, and what? Sent. And it all starts right here with a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The one who died and rose again. When we receive him as Savior and Lord, we find forgiveness. We receive the gift of eternal life and we begin to walk with God. And that journey leads us from loved to linked in relationship with others to ultimately live sent. Because we're not just saved to be saved. We're saved for the glory of God to ultimately live sent, which takes us right back down around to what we do. And what we do is really dealing with or talking about things that we prioritize and we value, that we pursue and invest in, that we risk for. And what we end up seeing is that who we are and what we do is highly interconnected to this portion here, to the center portion, which is really where we start to get into this Lord identity who's in charge, who has authority, who has access. Because when we make a decision to follow Jesus, we receive salvation, we begin this journey, which ultimately leads through through love, linked, and sent. But we also, when He is Lord, enter into His kingdom. And as part of His kingdom, we are positioned to build His kingdom by what we do in relationship to Him. Now, when we don't understand this, Then the things we encounter in life, the opportunities he puts in front of us, the the sin in people's lives, our our opportunity to to make a difference in somebody's life, the needs of others around us, all that stuff can really start to make us feel uncomfortable and we can start to look at it as something we can pick and choose and decide whether we're going to do or not. And we can say, wow, that stuff is so messed up, that's so awkward, I'm just going to go back here and live saved. But we can't do that. When we, when we know who he is and we understand the way he works, then we will pursue what he wants. We're not just created to be saved, to be saved it's under his lordship, we're positioned to live out his kingdom and to do what he wants us to do. I said a, a, a statement at Just One, it was that it's not enough that our hearts are different. Our cities should be as well. The people around us should be as well. Our families should be different as well. Look, the the reality of what God is calling us to is we're not just saved to be saved. We're going to live life to the full. We're saved to be sent. And that leads to us investing in things of the kingdom. And his kingdom is not a list of do's and don'ts. It's it's not even a bunch of rules, it's not tasks, it's not programs, it's, it's not some kind of agenda. It's, it's something much bigger than that. But I want to take a moment and I want to spend a little bit of time unpacking how this is a reality. And I want to do it in another part of Scripture. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. First book in the New Testament will be in chapter 25. Now, this is a, a series of parables are tucked in and around the section we're looking at. But then Jesus gets to a parable that explains a little bit more about what we're looking at on the board. And what he does, he describes how the Son of Man will come, how the Lord will come with all of the angels, and he's going to sit on the throne, and he's going to separate the people to the right and to the left, the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. And this is what transpires in that parable. He says this, he says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now, this is an awesome moment for the sheep. There's affirmation, there's blessing. It's an invitation to experience the full breadth and width of the kingdom of God. It's a wonderful moment. But then he goes on to describe and interact with and address the goats, and it's the exact opposite. He says, Look, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I needed clothes, I was sick, I was in prison, and you didn't care for me. They get a little freaked out about that. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. When did we see you hungry and thirsty and needing clothes and then sick and in prison and not do that? And, and Jesus responds by saying, Whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Oh, snap. Look, because they failed to do what was right, they did wrong. And these words take us back to Matthew 7. that whole, Lord, Lord, away from me. I never knew you. Look, you may be familiar with this passage, with this parable. Maybe not. But let's just consider it in light of this reality here. You see, Jesus' parable is saying that what we do every day are acts of mercy, kindness, Compassion and love are crucial and reflect our relationship with Him. That if we know Him, if we are in relationship with Him, then we will understand and know His way and we will pursue what He wants. We will pursue His purpose. And the best way to summarize and and capture what He wants is His desire is justice. It's justice. In Micah 6.8, says that, for he has shown you, O oh man, what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. We cannot walk humbly with our God, love mercy, and do justice if we're not willing to walk this entire journey. We, we can't be indifferent to Jesus and walk humbly with him. We can't be indifferent to his purposes and his plans and be indifferent. We can't be indifferent to the people around us and truly be a follower of him. The crazy thing about this is if we don't understand who we are and his purpose and plan, then we position ourselves to think we can reject this. The problem the goats had is that they thought this was optional. And it's not, because if we love Him, we will follow Him. We will give Him authority and access, and we will do what He asks us to do. It is not enough that our hearts are different. Our cities should be as well. The people in those cities should be different as well. And this kingdom of God is not some pretty well-cleaned up thing. This, this kingdom of God is something that is inclusive and not exclusive. It is made up of a group of people who are, who are beautifully broken. Sinful people who have, who have been restored back to life to the full by the grace of a God who loved them. I like how Brennan Manning says it. He says it this way. He says, The kingdom is not an exclusive, well-trimmed suburb with snobbish rules about who can live there. No, it is for a larger, homelier, less self-conscious cast of people who understand they are sinners because they have experienced the yaw and pitch of moral struggle. You know, this journey of relationship with God, His kingdom, is something that we're invited into. It's messy. It's messy. It's full of brokenness. It's full of heartache. It's full of sadness. It's full of sacrifice. But it is beautiful and redemptive and filled with hope and joy for the least and the last and the lost. Yet too often, I think we get into this relationship with Him and we position ourselves where instead of this kingdom being reflected through us as an expression of His love, it's rules and we treat it as something that it's exclusive rather than inclusive, and we find ourselves in relationship with Jesus, wanting him to follow us instead of us following him. And I wonder where you're at in that journey today. I, I wonder if you are following Jesus or is Jesus following you. It reminds me of of what we read about in, in John chapter 21 last week when, when, when the disciples went back to fishing, they reverted to what was known. They reverted to what they had been doing. It was after Jesus' death and resurrection. But then Jesus, he kind of followed them in order to invite them to back to following him. And we can revert and we can go back to old stuff we know we shouldn't go back to. But he says, follow me and build my kingdom. Care for the least and the last and the lost. Do unto them because you're doing it unto me. Are you following Jesus or is Jesus following you? Let's move to the so what, now what. Because the kingdom is, ex- is not exclusive, it's inclusive. We are a people who are invited to be part of a kingdom who, and a group of people who no longer live for themselves. Where we no longer live for ourselves, we live for Him. It's, it's really what Paul talked about in a letter uh, to the church in Galatia. He said this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My friends, living the dream is a journey to more fully understand that and to understand the realities of who we are, understanding why he's called us to do what he's called us to do and being able to know that our purpose is realized as we live that out. Living the dream is walking through and understanding how people who no longer live for themselves actually live. And as we begin this process, I want to give three things that set the tone and foundation for the rest of our journey and walk us through the three realities we talked about. I want to give them to you and then head back over to the easel in just a moment. So here they are. First one is this, that we are saved to be sent. We're saved for the glory of God, but that's not it. We're saved ultimately to be sent so other people can come into relationship with Him. We're saved to be sent. The second reality is that the life we live, we live for Him. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in Him. We live for Him. And the third reality is that it's not enough that our hearts are different. It's not enough. When we say, look, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, we invite Him in, we give Him authority, and we give Him access. He can interrupt our life. He can set our priorities. And that's really easy when He's asking us to do something we want to do. When He's asking us to do things that we're already interested in. It's a different story when He asks us to do something that maybe our hearts aren't leaning towards. Maybe that it's going to cost us. Maybe if if he's asking us to go in a different direction than we desire or we would prefer. It gets more difficult, but that's where the lordship reality is so key. We give him authority and we give him access. And it takes us back to that question of who is following who. Who's following who? Because the greater question in our series is whose dream are we living Whose dream are you living as you walk through this life, as you seek to live life to the full, as you follow Him, as you interact with people? Whose dream are you living? Is it yours? Is it the world's? Or is it God's? As you do the will of the Father? You see, we're talking about identity under who. We're talking about His plans under the why. And we're talking about our purpose Under what? And we are not saved to be saved. We're saved ultimately to be sent. And the life we live as a saved person who enters the kingdom of God, we live for him, living in light of his kingdom and the things he wants and the things that stir his heart and the things that break his heart. And it's not enough that our hearts are different. Our cities should be as well. Our families should be as well. The people around us should be as well. This is the life to the full reality. We have a holy God who invites us into relationship with him, who gives us purpose, who calls us into relationship with others, who puts us on mission, and he invites us into this process of building his kingdom, a kingdom like no other, a kingdom that changes lives, a kingdom that changes families, that changes cities, that changes nations, and we're invited into that. But when we don't understand how this works, that who we are should lead to what we do, we get to this point and because we're uncomfortable, because it'll cost us, because there's pain involved, because there's sadness involved, we can say, I don't think so. When we don't understand this, but when we know who we are and who he's called us to be in light of what what he has done and what he is building, then we're not in a position to reject this. If there are people who choose to live here, And they run the risk of getting to the end and realizing they have done it wrong. Whose dream are you living? Listen, you are still here. You have life. God has purpose for you. There is a bold move for you to make. A next bold move. Maybe that bold move for you starts right here. You have never given your life to Jesus. You've never found forgiveness. You've never received the gift of eternal life. And you're not walking with God yet. So this is where you start. This is your bold move. And a conversation with him today is where you can begin that. But if you've already made that decision, then I wonder where you're at in this journey. Maybe it's the Lordship piece. He's Savior to you, but he's not Lord because you've not given him authority and access. Or maybe for you, as you've walked through this kingdom, you've stopped short and really... Stepping into what He's called you to do. Caring for the least, the last, and the lost. Listen, it is not enough that our hearts are different. Our cities should be as well. And as we continue in this journey and walking through the Living the Dream series, we're going to spend more time talking about what this is and how it impacts the other two. Who we are and what we do. And as we go through this journey, my prayer is that you would increasingly find that life to the full that He has created you for. You have specific gifts, talents, and abilities. He has positioned you in places around people for a purpose. And He wants to do far more than you can ever begin to dream, ask, or imagine as you're willing to live through these realities. Life to the full for His glory, for His purpose I cannot wait to see what God does through you individually and through us as a church as we continue to walk through this journey. As we focus on living into His dream, living into His heartbeat, chasing the things He loves. Because when a people do that, a group of people do that, that's where the world can be transformed. And you're part of that. So let's take a moment now, let's go to the Father in prayer, have a little bit of conversation as we step back into worship. Would you join me as I pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to just spend some time worshiping you in your presence and spending time in your word. God, I thank you for the example of your son. I thank you for his teaching. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who increasingly submit to his lordship. That we would be willing to do what you've asked us to do, who you've created us to be, that who we are would lead to what we do and would be for your glory. Father, I pray for those who may be here today that, do not yet know your son as Savior, and I pray in these next few moments that they would have a conversation with you and they would invite him into their life, find forgiveness, receive that gift of eternal life, and walk with you, begin to walk with you. But for all who have done that, Lord, forgive forgive us if we have lived saved. Help us, Father, to ultimately, by your power, live sent, and to build and advance your kingdom, to do what you've called us to do, to serve the least, the last, and the lost through, through acts of kindness and mercy and grace and forgiveness. Forgive, forgive us, Father, if we've rejected that before. But from this point forward, Lord, may we have the courage and the wisdom to step boldly into obedience. Step boldly into those moments for your glory. I can't wait to see what you're going to do, God. We as a church are submitted to you. May your will be done. I pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen.